Are you interested in learning more about how EOS can help you run a better business, become a better leader, and live a better life? Stay tuned for all the ways you can jumpstart your journey on EOS. How I show up every day, what energy I have, matters a whole lot because it sets the tone for the entire organization. So when you're in frustration, when you're in resistance, that actually slows things down. But when I have the right energy and I show up every day with that right energy, the impact is significant. And I, you can feel like, I know entrepreneurs know what I'm talking about when you feel momentum. And I feel shifts in momentum when I show up in a positive way. And I see negative shifts in momentum when I show up in a resistant way. And so how I show up every day and every moment and every meeting is super important. And that's been a big part of my learning over the last several years. That's Tim Vogel, co-founder and CEO of ScentHound. And I couldn't have enjoyed this conversation more if I tried because it was all about dogs. Welcome to We Run on EOS. I'm your host, Pam Kosenke. You know, there isn't an entrepreneur on this planet who doesn't aim to have a positive impact on their business and on their people. I mean, you're a driving force behind your company's vision, the traction against the vision and results. And it's up to you to be intentional about your impact. And it can take time to understand how you're driving your business towards growth or maybe stalling it. I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit, but I never had the confidence to take that entrepreneurial leap. So I got, got out of college. I got a job with a bigger organization that really had a lot of structure and, and a lot of training involved. Once I kind of graduated from that and I didn't want my boss's job anymore, I went to a mid-sized company, became vice president of operations, learned a lot of process stuff. That company uh, was sold and merged with another one. So then I went to an entrepreneurial company. I started a, car, a part of a car sharing company uh, called Flexcar and launched that in the DC market. And then that merged cool. with another company called Zipcar. And so when that merger was happening, I finally was like, you know what? I, I need to do this. This has been something that's been burning inside of me for a long time. And so I, I challenged my wife to go through this kind of life by design exercise. And I said, where in the world could we live? How could we create this ideal life? So we did this geography game. We ended up in Jupiter, Florida, great schools, a mile from the beach, 15 minutes from an airport, the right size community, access to all kinds of stuff. And we took a big leap and I started a mobile pet grooming business. Now, why did I get in mobile pet grooming? It was two reasons. One, uh, I knew fleet management, I knew intelligent routing, I knew services at home were becoming popular. And number two, my wife had convinced me to get a dog. So she said, let's get a dog. And I was like, wait a minute, let's have more freedom. Let's be able to go out after work. Let's be able to travel. She won that argument. We got this dog and I absolutely fell in love. And it was this <laughs> moment, right? Where I, I, I started geeking out about dogs. And there was this one book called The Art of Raising a Puppy by the New Ski, the monks of New Ski. And they said, dogs are pack animals. The way to establish your leadership or your hierarchy is take this puppy out to a kind of a big open space, put them down and walk away from them. And they'll see you as the leader and they'll follow you. And so I went out into the woods in Maryland where we were living at the time, put this puppy down, started walking away. And I looked back and this little puppy was right on my heel. And that was the moment. There was something primal about that. There was something unique about that. I was like, this is the most awesome thing ever. And then all of a sudden I just became a, a total dog person. And from there, it, it, that wrote history for us. So tell me a little bit about just that, how life by design has entered your world. And, and frankly, it sounds like it revolutionized the way you live your life. 
it changed everything. And it, and it was it was really intuitive. It hadn't really been introduced to me as a concept, but we were living in the DC area. I was really involved in the kind of the transportation infrastructure and what that looked like. And it was getting worse and worse there. We had just had our child and I found myself in the car all the time. I was commuting to work. It was a long commute. Weekends, we were running around in the car and it there was just something in me that wasn't right. I was like, this is not what I want. And so we started talking about what could it look like? This company's merging. We could do anything we want. We could go anywhere we want. What would that look like? And let's just dream about that. And that's kind of the visionary part of me that's always kind of been there. And so as we started that conversation, we just got deeper and deeper down into it. And we started putting criteria together and saying, okay, well, what does an ideal life look like? Once I joined EO, that was a, a kind of a popular conversation, which is, hey, yeah. let's do life by design. We did it kind of accidentally. And it was really just something that was inside of me that drove that. Awesome. Well, that sounds very entrepreneurial of you, Tim, right? Yes. <laughs> Creating the life you want. So you jumped on board EOS. It sounds like you accidentally intercepted it a bit. Tell me about yeah. that moment where it felt like, oh my God, this feels like it could transform the way you're moving. So we're co-founders. Jessica did the brand, the look, the feel. <laughs> she has designed everything. So I'm really the visionary and some of the operations. She's the, the entire brand, brand positioning. We took a huge risk. We had an 18-month-old. Uh, we're in a new community and, and starting a, a brand new business. And I had these grand ideas and I really sold my wife on like, this is going to be amazing. And here's all the stuff that's going to happen. I went to grooming school to understand how it works. We got our first van. We hired a groomer. And it was like six months in, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This is, <laughs> this is not what I thought it was. And so I really got stuck. So I started looking around for places where I could get help. I first hired a business coach. And that was helpful for me to just get in touch with like the reality of the situation and just be honest with myself and start listening to that voice inside a little bit better. That helped me kind of then say, well, where's a community I can become a part of that could help me through this? And I found uh, EO South Florida chapter. They had just launched something called an accelerator program. Yeah. And I was able to get in that. And that accelerated program really started to help me think systematically about my business. I, I graduated that a couple years into it. I came back and I became an accountability coach for that. And then ultimately ended up running that program. And as I ran that program, we were presented with different operating models. And the one that really spoke to me the most was the EOS system. And yeah. Mike Payton had come to our group and spoke. And I was like, this makes sense to me. This is very consumable. This is very understandable. And that's when I started really pushing into that. And then I started teaching my accountability group. So I think Learning it is the first step, and then teaching it is really what solidifies that learning personally. And so teaching that to the accountability groups really ingrained that for me. And then I've never looked back. We've been on that ever since. Amazing. Amazing. I laughed, obviously, at the moment you said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm thinking, God, does anybody know? I mean, at some point you hit another ceiling yeah. and you realize, I still don't know what I'm doing. I yes. thought I knew what I was doing. Now yes. the things that got me to this thing are no longer the things that I need to break through that thing. So yeah. I mean, the way I really see it is it's fractals of itself. And, and every time you travel through the next fractal, you go through this next journey. And we've had very rapid growth here. So over the last two years, we've broken through fractal after fractal after fractal where you need tremendous mental flexibility. You need to become a different version of yourself to take that next leg of that journey. You may even need different people on your team to take those next steps of those journeys. But it is one seal. It's kind of this waves, like you hit yeah. a ceiling, you figure it out, and then you go through another growth, and then you figure it out, and then you go through another growth, and you figure it out. And, and that's been my experience. You mentioned 
people, you understand growth mindset. Talk to me about right people, right seats. It sounds like that has been a really, really critical part of your journey, a part of your experience with EOS, clearly accountability, competency. Talk to us about your journey with right people, right seats. So it was first a personal journey. I think that's the first thing. I got into business and starting my own business because I wanted control and I wanted to make a lot of money. As, as I evolved, it wasn't about either of those things. It was really about what difference did I want to make in the world? What was my value system? How did I want to uh, contribute to the world and my skills in the most positive way? And once I got really clear on that, then values came out of that, right? And a mission came out of that. So our mission is, our North Star is we remove barriers so people can love and connect with their dogs every day. Our mission really is to help the world be a slightly better place by helping people practice love on a daily basis and using their dog to do that as the side door to get in there. So when I was able to create a strong mission, vision, and values, really get clear on that, it was about attracting the right people. It's not about finding, but then attracting. So who wants to be on this mission with us, right? So that's the first part of Right People, Right Seat is is it compelling? And is it something that you want to join and be a part of? Is this something that's exciting to you? That's kind of the first key. The second key is every part of that journey requires different competencies and skill sets. And so, you know, the team I started with is not the team we currently have. Now, some people have made it through and have the mental flexibility to make it through each of those stages. And that has to start with me. I have to have the mental flexibility to be able to become a different version of myself based on what the company needs at that time. And so what does that mean? How do I get the, the insights? How do I identify the blind spots? What is the team I surround myself with to help me go through that? And then what are we doing to provide the team with the opportunity to have those blind spots seen, the opportunities for them to have that growth? And who's got the mental flexibility to stay on that path and who doesn't? And some do and some don't. And that's yeah. okay. There are certain sections where you have someone who's absolutely awesome for, but that's the space they like to stay in. And so they join an organization that's at that stage and they go to the next organization at that stage. And that's great. And some are like, are able to expand, evolve, and they, they see the next portion of that and the next portion of it. And that's actually one of the things that is most exciting for me when I was coaching Accelerator, those aha moments and those growth moments, because that's what I love about myself the most. And seeing that in someone else is so rewarding. Yeah, Tim, I love that you start with this notion, you know, as we talk about right people, right seats in the US all the time. So you, yeah. this is kind of like the bread and butter, right, of our, of our system in many ways. But you approach it at such a very interesting, unique level in that you say, it starts with me. I have to be the right person in the right yeah. seat. This is an inside out building yes. process and organization. And it's like, just like you said, life by design, you're designing who you are. And ultimately as go you, so go they, you're attracting people in this yes. culture, but it's by design. You are purposely every single day digging into who you are, getting centered, working on right people, right seats for you, and then ultimately building that dream team around you who can flex. And also GWC changes over time is what I just heard you say, which is kind of sometimes the mental flexibility to go, maybe the function scales, the person scales or not, and that's okay, but it, it is not a... Um, it is not a static thing. And I think authenticity and healthy conflict are super important parts of that because we all get comfortable. 
we all build deep relationships with the people we work with. But if you're not authentic and you're not honest about those things and it's bi-directional, then you're going to get stuck at the level that you're at. And that's okay for a lot of organizations too. There's no judgment on that, but that's, that's not what I want. And so what we want is continued growth and continued expansion. We're really looking to disrupt an industry. And so the only way that happens is, first of all, I have to be in a place. My expansion has to happen. And, and that's the learning I've had is, as I go, so goes the business. Let's think about operations. That's kind of one example. We've already had someone that was our operations person. And they were exceptional kind of at the time that we had them and needed them. When the company grew and that expanded beyond their individual skill set, the question really is, this is what the company needs, which is not, a, not, you're not feeling great about it. I know this isn't the right fit for you. Is there a change or what's the best place for you? Because being in this uncomfortable position isn't the way it should be. The grind isn't the way it should be. It's just something you're passionate about, excited about and delivering. So that was one of those hard conversations where we had to change that role. We're again kind of getting to that stage uh, with some of our leadership where we've had that honest conversation, which is, are you happy doing this? Or what I really see as your unique abilities is in this space. Now, title and all that stuff aside, if you could show up and do this every single day, how would you feel about that? Versus in this place every single day, how would that feel? And those are the kinds of hard conversations where you can help people reflect on their blind spots and be able to say, you're right, this, is, this feels much better to me. I'd be much happier doing this. Let's do that. And then it kind of becomes this conversation around the greater good of the business. And it feels less about somebody who can't cut it or somebody who like is somehow incompetent. It's more about a right fit, which is why I say right fit, right seats. And sometimes those things evolve. And you, you said make a change. It, talk to me a little bit about the, the culture that you built that allows that to be true. Culture is only made up of two things, what you reward and what you tolerate. At least that's my per perspective of it. And so all of a sudden, tolerating someone struggling in a role, someone not showing up in the way they need to show up, all of a sudden creates the wrong culture. The culture should really be a, a group of really talented, engaged people all fighting to surface the truth, right? If we've got a great culture, people are contributing their unique abilities in their roles and feel great about it and are excited about it and are pumped up about it. It's never a grind. And once it starts to become a grind, that then changes your culture to a grind culture, which isn't the culture that we set here, right? And it's bi-directional in the sense that you can see the culture shifting when you have the wrong butts in the wrong seats. And when you have the right butts in the right seats, you start attracting people to the right places. For Tim, there were two game-changing moments. One that helped him get really clear about the type of business he was stuck running. And the other one was about the type of business he should be running to get unstuck. The, the original one was when I started the mobile business and I was like, this is not what I thought it was. And it, was, it really came down to the fact that it wasn't scalable. And it wasn't scalable because of the people. And getting held hostage by a professional technician. So lots of businesses. And I think in the franchise world, like you think of like the massage envies of the world, the massage therapist is a potential bottleneck and grooming. It's the groomer. And so that was one of those moments where I was like, there's just not enough groomers out there. They're artists. They're scaling. Artistry is really challenging. And that was a moment I was like, I'm just in the wrong business or 
can I figure this out? Can I crack this nut? Because there's a huge opportunity if I solve this. And so in the very beginning, we had the mobile grooming business. I partnered with a grooming school. I went out and hired people I liked that had the right personalities and traits. I put them in grooming school one, four days a week, one day a week in the vans with me. We then opened up centers so that we then bought the, one of the, went to the largest grooming schools in the nation, bought their curriculum, and then started hiring bathers and training them to be groomers inside. That was, that was good. And we started scaling. We opened one location, then we opened a second location, and we were making groomers. But it took us a year, really, to create an artist and go through enough people that you had that, had that artistry skill. That was one of those big kind of like, okay, what do we do moments? The second one was realizing that it was about health, not about haircuts. That was a huge aha moment for us. And it was actually, it was a moment in time. I was walking my dog in my neighborhood. A new neighbor had just moved into the neighborhood. He was walking his dog. We got to talking. He's like, what do you do? I was like, I own a grooming business. He's like, that's amazing. I would, I'd take my dog there if he needed grooming, but he doesn't. And I actually looked at his dog's nails. They were so long, his knuckles were disfigured. Oh. I, I could smell his dog's ear infection. And I was like, this guy has the means. He, he loves his dog. He wants to be the best dog parent possible. He just doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't know. know. He doesn't know. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. How many dogs out there need haircuts? And if you look at the top 10 breeds owned in the US, only one of them needs a haircut. But all dogs need care. And that was like my big aha moment. It was like, well we're doing the wrong thing. We're in this red ocean competing with every other grooming business on styling who gave yeah. the best haircut, but 90% <laughs> of dogs out there yeah. aren't getting grooming and they're not getting the, the routine maintenance and hygiene they need to stay healthy. That was like a big moment for me. And we pivoted from a business called Pet Groomery with the mobile and with the retail locations to something called Scent Hound. And Scent stands for skin, coat, ears, nails, teeth, the five core areas all dogs need care. And every time a dog parent comes in now, we give them a report card on the health of each of those categories to help them become the best dog parents they can. And so making it super fast, easy, and affordable for those dog parents to get the routine maintenance their dogs need to stay healthy and live longer and all that kind of stuff. So those were two big aha moments. So transformational moments from realizing that you were feeling stuck. There was a ceiling moment of yeah. even like you had mentioned this word of being held hostage by the technician, by some yeah. limiting factor to suddenly unhandcuffing the, the vision of this and kind of moving from a one trick thing, this hair, hair to care, right? So what a beautiful, it's almost creating almost a new angle to the industry, to the marketplace. It's, it's, it's a revolutionary. It's revolutionary. Nobody is doing this yet. And I hope so, because I think there needs to be that shift there. But we're really disrupting. And so then the next evolution out of this is, if you really think about it, we're a problem identification business. And because dog parents bring their dogs to us every month, if not every single week, we now become a demand generation engine because we become the authority to that dog. And we actually identify all the issues that they need to have solved. So now we're in a position to hyper-personalize and curate solutions for dog parents. And so the next big aha is we're a data company because now we're collecting massive amounts of data to then use to hyper-personalize products and services for dog parents. So we create the easy button for the dog parent. That's right. And so franchising was the, the, the reason we decided to go franchising is it allowed us to scale much more rapidly, to really establish ourselves as the brand and to collect large amounts of data so that we can use that data to personalize and curate better solutions for the dog parents and the dogs. 
ScentHound's solution for scaling as a franchise system was a revolutionary step forward for the brand, but it also challenged the role Tim needed to play moving forward for the greater good of the company. Leading by design would become a sharp new focus. I really fancied myself a really great integrator, but as the business grew, visionary is really where I'm powerful. And I think I'm one of those unique people that's really good at the integrator and visionary, but I'm slightly better at visionary. And so I've evolved to be, what's the 1% of the one thing that changes a thousand things? And me as a visionary is the best place to be. I think another piece of really kind of learning as I go, so go the business, I see myself as a tuning fork. And, and what I mean by that is how I show up every day, what energy I have matters a whole lot because it sets the tone for the entire organization. So when you're in frustration, when you're in resistance, that actually slows things down. But when I have the right energy and I show up every day with that right energy, the impact is significant. And I, you can feel like, I know entrepreneurs know what I'm talking about when you feel momentum. And I feel shifts in momentum when I show up in a positive way. And I see negative shifts in momentum when I show up in a resistant way. And so how I show up every day and every moment and every meeting is super important. And that's been a big part of my learning over the last several years. There's nothing worse than your processes and training content scattered around a bunch of Google Docs, or worse, stuck in people's heads. The good news is there's a platform called Trainual that makes it easy to document everything about your business, finally get your SOPs and policies organized, shave tons of time off onboarding and training, and get your process component nailed down. It's the integrator's dream. So whether you're growing or trying to scale with consistency, or tightening up and needing more ROI from your team's time, Trainual is the answer. Right now, podcast listeners can get 15% off their first year. Visit trainual.com and enter EOS promo code EOS15. That's T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L.com with promo code EOS15 when you pick your plan. Tim has one of those things that he's a great visionary, but he's also a great integrator. So he has the best of both worlds. Tim has that dangerous formula that sometimes gets you stuck because then he wants to do it all and he wants to improve things and he wants to, but then his mind is in another place. Cesar Quintero, certified EOS implementer for Centown, has hit on something here that can be both a competitive advantage and an obstacle for some of the most gifted entrepreneurs. And that's the ability to be both a great visionary and a great integrator in equal measures. But oftentimes, the company just needs you to choose to be your best self as one or the other. He had a very good practicing firm, but there were only three people on the franchise or piece. So the franchise was just an idea when we got started. So we walked in and it was three people on that first day and the focus day, and they had just hired the operations person. So the operations person was two weeks in and I walk in and it's, you know, it's surprise. Yeah. It's like Tim, <laughs> Jessica, who's, you know, partner and wife. And they're both like, we're going to do a franchise out of this. And we, we've proven our model and our, our market fit. So now it's time to go to the next level. They had no idea about franchising. They had no idea what path they were going towards. I would think it took them the same a year to get to one franchise hold and to get to a hundred, right? So he needed to upskill himself. And so, so the funny thing is that, you know, I stepped into that danger. We had the conversation and he's like, I'm going to let go. And this guy I don't know is going to become my integrator. And I think it was the best thing to ever happen to them. 
especially because Tim was able to embrace that visionary role that he had never been able to embrace because he was always in the doing. He was always in the optimizing. He was always in the market fit mode. And I think he had already proven that. He just needed to go to the next level. And then Kieran as this integrator, he was amazing because he built all the systems. He comes from the franchise world. He brought the things that Tim and Jessica didn't know about the franchise world. So he's designing the life and he's designing the needs. He's putting it in motion. So it's interesting. At some point, you also just have to embrace what you've asked for. Well, like if you get what you want, you need to take it. I think the biggest <laughs> step forward that he had was also understanding that he couldn't be the smartest person in the room anymore. And I think that was a, a mindset that I had when I was an entrepreneur as well. And I was constantly trying to grow and grow and grow. And I couldn't get my team behind that. But I needed to grow myself as well. And then how do we get people to that next level, right? How do we, how do we shift that and not be us, the smartest person in the room, that we need to be telling people what we do or what they should be doing, but more about this is what we need. You figure out the how, right? So t- talking to me about this kind of life by design, that's his deal. That's his philosophy. He's learned that over time. That is why he moved um, and started this with his wife. How has that kind of played out in the process of building his business, at least in your eyes? He's always been very intentional. He's been a metrics guy all along. And I think for him, when we think about life by design, and it's something that we're, we all hold dear to our philosophy is understanding the essence of our purpose is permanent, but the ideal life, the life we want to live changes with time, right? It's very different that when you're single and you're young or when you have kids or when I think purpose is permanent, but the way we live purpose is different. And I think it's shifted for Tim on all these stages of when his kids were younger and then when his kids were teenager and then when his business was just the corporate stores and how do we build a franchise and how do we grow from that? You need different types of people for that, right? And I think one of their core values is to seek growth. And I think that's one of the things that Tim does really well is really always looking for the next version of himself. And then what does that look like? And then what does life need to look around for him to to use his superpowers? Because we start a business doesn't make us have a job in it. Right. And a lot of times we're the worst person to do that job. That's something I like to say all the time. And the reality is is a lot of times we need to understand that other people are much better than we are. Just because I I found it, it doesn't mean I know it. Right. And and I think that upskilling and that getting to the next level is so crucial. But he does it for himself. He does it for everybody in his team. Right. It's, It's a constant growth on how how people need to get to the next level. So an example of that is now they have a performance coach that talks to all of the executive team leaders and they help them with mindset because the leader you are today you need to be another leader for for the next year because the company is growing at such a fast pace and the world is changing at such a fast pace as leaders we need to be constantly adapting and learning right and 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 growing that way as well yeah you you brought up the word upskill a few times and we talk about sometimes like that's a technical thing Mm. right oh i gotta learn project management skills or something like and and in this case especially when you get to the leadership team table, it is about mentality, yeah. mindset, yeah. constructs, thinking constructs, feeling, emotions, understanding that entire world of like inner mastery and centeredness feels like Tim is one of those people that just buys into some of that. It's not just about the playbook and the X's and O's. He's always seeking. He's a seeker. And looking on how to level up and how to get to the next level is is part of their motto for sure. And it comes back to this idea of the accountability chart is never 
static, right? The GWC factor changes because the person changes, the role changes, what the company needs changes. We look at that accountability chart every quarter because every quarter needs It's going that fast. Yeah, it's every time. And look, there was a moment in time where we had to have two annuals in the same year because it was like half, half, they were growing so fast that we had to have a six month annual and then have a, like a mid year and then have an annual. Like we, everything was moving so fast because they didn't know what they didn't know. They were entering into an area that they didn't have experience in. Wow. I, I talk about, yeah, entering the danger. Entering the danger. Yeah. <laughs> Two annuals at a time. <laughs> it was, it was crazy because they never knew what was going to happen within the first six months. Like, like strategy shifted. So they were trying different things at the same time. And the team had to upskill that fast as well. Talk to me a little bit about culture. He talks about culture as what you reward and what you tolerate. And curious to just get a sense of how you've seen him move through those the, that, that those two concepts with his people and the evolution of his people. I, I think they're very intentional with values. One, one of the things that we did was we tried to make them really actionable and behavior-based. So that was clear as to how to hire, how to review, how to reward, how to fire people based on these, but most importantly, how to live them day in, day out. So what I see is they're very intentional on every activity they do, right? Like even on the people headlines, they use it for calling out and for shout outs and like different things that they add to different places in order to create that connection, that culture, that, that reward system for people to behave the way we all need to behave. And it's really clear when somebody doesn't. It's really clear that the team just bands around. It was like, wait, what's going on? This is like a sore thumb. And, and, and it creates a lot of, you know, it helps even because clarity, clarity. it's a lot of clarity. It's a lot of alignment yeah. and unity and message. So having everybody really go on the behaviors is amazing. And what I hear you saying, and it sounds like Tim has just been a master at this and his wife as well, but this idea of creating such an intentional culture, an intentional path, a BTO that is strong and shaped and constantly moving and evolving, there's a sense of clarity of a very defined vision, right? Something that you're either on the bus for or you're not. And the clarity gives confidence because the people that are attracted to that thing, you know, are believers, right? Exactly. And anytime it feels like that that uh, vision is maybe wobbly or a little bit gen- like uh, generic or watered down, that's when you start to get into this kind of like complexity factor yeah. of, I don't know, land. Yeah. But it sounds like he's so, that entire concept of intentionality baked in on top of the tools, that's impressive. So a great example of this is they have a couple of teams in the company where a team is focused on current efficiency, profitability, improvements. So it's, it's a now team, right? But they also have a team who's focused on the future, which is where are we going? What does the market need? What do our customers need? Where is the data going to go towards? So the, the interesting thing is seeing these two in the same leadership team and kind of collaborate and communicate into we need to improve this now, but at the same time, we need to adapt for the future. So that's where the clear vision comes from, because all the time they know where they're going to be, what the market needs from them, what their customers need from them, and what because they're, they're also entering a new space or defining a new space. He talked about active simplification, this sense of like, I'm creating the vision, and which is really hard. And maybe that is what some your dynamic between visionary integrator, like your ability to, to complexify and then also simplify 
That's impressive, but it sounds like he's he's understanding the active roles of both of those things. He understands it because the change is so complex and so fast that the teams need a very, very clear message. So it makes planning even easier. Like one of the things that we did, we had a quarterly day two days ago, and it's, okay, so these are the four things we need to win on the long term, right? So we need to have a rock on each of these things that we need to do. We need to sell more. We need to open more. We need to get franchise or profitability. We need to, so the four things were very clear on what are the things that we need to achieve as a team, both future and present, and what do we need to do this quarter to get there, right? So I think it creates clarity of focus and alignment because if not, everybody comes with a lot of ideas. Everybody gets it, and then everybody ends up with five to seven, ten rocks. And you're like, wait. Yeah. A priority is not meant to be plural. It's a priority, right? So you need to focus and keep it as focused as you can. So I think that that simplicity, translating all these things that we need to do, how do we bring it down to its simplest form so that people can really understand and get behind that? And I love this, that he seems to understand that there is about there's a world of actually understanding the complexity before you can simplify, mm-hmm. right? So he's done all of this work to get to the four points, which makes it feel simple. Yeah. But it's not. It's simple, not easy. It was based in understanding this world of complexity. A hundred percent. And I, I think he's one of the few though, because he has that ability to be both visionary integrator in the future, yeah. in the now, detail. And look, and you'll see him. Like there's quarters where he needs to give up that visionary role and just go up and help and integrate the hell out and, of it and, and integrate and help and assist and do the one-to-ones and do all these things that he needs to help with. But then he understands he needs to go back to that seat in order for the company to keep growing. Right. So, so he has that ability to do that and not everybody does, but he's, he's truly mastered that ability of, of being both future oriented and present. Visionaries are always balancing the need to see and prepare for the future while dealing with the growing complexity of present conditions. Tim talks passionately about the power of structure and simplification to get traction and see around corners in his business. One of the EOS software tools that really we use for our L10s and our quarterlies, and we have an implementer and all that other stuff, the the two key factors that I've always found EOS is extremely important is number one, alignment, and number two, accountability. And visibility throughout the entire organization around that alignment and that visibility. And an operating system of some kind is critical for any kind of business. I just found that this is the best operating system for us. And as we've grown, it's become more and more critical because as the business grows, complexity increases. And my job as a CEO is to simplify, 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 clear, concise messages, understanding the point on the hill that we're going to take. And EOS puts me in a position to be able to manage that complexity to a point where it seems very simple. These are the main core things that we're going to do. And here here are the activities we're going to engage in to get us there. So you're an active simplifier is what you're saying. through the So using the EOS tools to constantly simplify in a frankly, increasingly like complicated, complex business. I mean, you when you get into franchising, now you have a whole nother kind of client base. It's a whole nother business. And a whole so, nother ball game. Yeah. So there's the franchisor, there's the franchisee, franchisee, and then there's the dog parent. And those are the three main constituents. And we talk a lot about win, win, win. We don't do it unless it's better for the dog and the dog parent, period. We don't do it unless it's better for the franchisee, period. And we don't do it unless it's better for us, or the brand, period. Yeah. And so having that kind of lens to look through and having an EOS system where I've got transparency 
And we have visibility and, and, and alignment among all of the different departments of so learning and development and sales and marketing and operations and business coaches and technology. We got to coordinate all this stuff and having a system is critical to be able to do that. Does EOS then get thread throughout all of your franchise operations? So are they running on EOS as well? Yeah. So our franchisees are not yet, but we are now getting to the point where we have enough multi-unit franchisees out there that I'm starting my very first L10 with the kind of the top performing franchisees. And that's going to happen in the next quarter, which I'm really excited about. I love that you mentioned the level 10. We talk about the meeting pulse as part of strengthening a tool to help strengthen this traction component in the EOS model and how essential it is. Everybody understands meetings, right? But who knows how to have a true level 10, a game-changing, amazing meeting that you just love to do, love to come to, you can't wait for, you'd never miss unless you're uh, dead or on vacation. So tell me about the importance of meeting pulse in your world and why that's so important and how it's driving your culture as well. I think of when you say pulse, I think that's the perfect word because I think it's just like the heartbeat of the organization. And the faster you want to run, the faster your heart has to beat. And so one thing that we did add is a a morning huddle by team. So the leadership team has a morning huddle. Each of our departments has a morning huddle. And then every Wednesday, we've got an entire company huddle. And we really cover five main things. What did I do yesterday to move a rock forward? What am I doing today to move a rock forward? What am I stuck on? What am I grateful for? And a value shout out for someone on the team. 15 minute standing meeting every single morning, which ties into the EOS system and the level 10s, just so that pulse happens and we've got visibility. Areas that we continue to try to improve is like the stuck. Sometimes you're afraid to say I'm stuck, but if I'm not getting someone for someone, if something's not working right, we got to put that stuck out there. And just like the other ones, grateful, you got to talk about grateful. That's just puts you in the right mindset for the day. The value shout outs constantly bringing our culture into the picture every single day. So all important parts of that. For Tim, staying grateful and keeping the company's core values front and center is even more important because of the unique challenges inherent in operating a family business. The lessons around working with your wife are huge, and we've done a tremendous amount of work to make that really successful. And I think one of the just kind of one of the key lessons around that is stay in your lane. So like when it comes to branding and and positioning, she, she has final say. There is no like we can debate, but at the end of the day, it's her call. When it comes to the vision and where we're heading and all that kind of stuff, it's my call. And so understanding that, and then also having the boundaries around family dinner tonight, uh, every night together, and we don't talk about work, right? And we have the family discussions. And so important to put all of that stuff together. As we create more abundance for ourselves, we are now pushing into the, the VTO for the Vogel family. So we've done less of that kind of in that structure that is now a place we are we are pushing hard on. So so I love this because everyone's sitting here now leaning in going, wait, tell me some of the secret sauce here of how to do this because there's so much of this. You, Bert, business is personal, person's business. This is more and more and more becoming part of this like dynamic of two, two leaders in a family do, taking on entrepreneur businesses, family businesses, of course. So I love those tools and kind of rules of engagement that you just outlined there. And, and so you're now talking about a personal or family VTO to go along it, it, as part of kind of this life by design yes. concept you have. Ab- absolutely. And I think there's this balance and look, we struggle with it every day and we're, you know, I would say we're far from perfect, but 
the family conversations about business in front of the kids, I think, can be really positive because they see what it's like and they can hear the stories and they can understand the entrepreneurial journey. And sometimes it's just too damn much. And we have to remind each other, it's like, that's it. No more work. Stop. And you're like, but I want to talk more about it. And so there's a constant battle on, on those kinds of things. So we try the best to keep those rules. And we still are always kind of a little bit back and forth on that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's a need for structure. Structure yes. to set you free, right? Correct. The Otherwise, rules. you're just yes. crazy amount of chaotic energy floating around. And you got to start to create some separation, some lift and separation, yep. rules and responsibilities, <laughs> yep. clarity, yep. off and on switches. Yeah. It has to be intentional. There's no like wing in this shit. And like we did for a while and we struggled. We really struggled as a couple and we went out and sought support for that and started being more intentional. And this was 10 years ago. And that intentionality allowed this thing to, to grow greater and greater. It gave us the ability to contribute in a more powerful way, to have less confusion, a lot less wasted energy, to be able to deliver our unique abilities in the most powerful way. And it's intentionality and it's it's gardening, it's constant work. It is not something that you let your foot up on and it's not for the faint of heart. Like you literally have to be intentional about it all the time. And just like that, leadership and growing a business is by design. It's intentional and it's always in motion. Can I get a woof woof? I mean, that's all about the dogs. We Run on EOS is available on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us so you don't miss an episode. And you can learn more about all things EOS at eosworldwide.com. I'm your host, Pam Kosanke, and thanks for listening. While being a great boss may sound simple, it often isn't, but it can be easier. The Great Boss Workshop provides leadership team members and mid-level managers with simple yet proven tools and approaches to get more done and create accountable, people-centric environments for their teams to thrive in. Visit eosworldwide.com to register for an upcoming session.